We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were witnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The website ranker.com allows anyone the opportunity to vote on a whole range of different issues, and one of their pages gives people the chance to decide who is the most influential leader of all time. If I tell you that George Washington comes in as number one, you can guess the, the website's country of origin. If I tell you that Donald Trump is ranked at number 10, one place below Caesar Augustus and one above Julius Caesar and JFK, you can deduce the political leanings of a great number of the website's participants. Moses comes in at number 26, sandwiched between Winston Churchill and Mother Teresa. Jesus Christ only makes it into 35th place, slipping in behind Alfred the Great and Richard the Lionheart. Clearly deciding who is great is a very subjective process. Back in 1926, a guy called James Allen Francis wrote a poem called One Solitary Life, and he's in no doubt about who the greatest person ever is. The poem goes, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never travelled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. That's quite a claim. Francis is clearly the opinion that Jesus is the one who has exerted the greatest influence over history. And we could debate whether that's true or not. And what about the absolute claim that Jesus is the greatest? Is that subject to dispute? 
How do you define greatness? What is, the Jesus, what is Jesus the greatest at doing? If you look at the Guinness Book of World Records, he doesn't get an entry all to himself. The things associated with him do. The Mormon Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints gets in because it maintains the world's largest genealogical databases. Calm in the UK gets in for having run the world's largest nativity play with 1,254 participants. And Jesus' book, The Bible, gets in as the world's best-selling and most widely distributed work of non-fiction. I'm glad it's non-fiction. With perhaps as many as 5 billion copies sold to date. And in those statistics, you can see something of the ongoing remarkable influence that Jesus still has 2,000 years down the line. But what about Jesus himself? What makes him great? The problem is that no one is quite sure what greatness is all about. One-line definitions by so-called great people include just being yourself, just staying true to yourself. Being the best. Just being kind. Intentional, consistent, incremental improvement. Loving your life. Living a life full of purpose, love and dignity. And all those kind of definitions are written to enable other people to think, yeah, I could be great if greatness is defined in those terms. And not all those definitions could be applied to Jesus. Professor William Loder is minister in the Uniting Church in Australia, and he's written some helpful thoughts on greatness, which I think put into words what I would want to say better than I could say them myself. And so with a nod in his direction, let me share his perspective with you. He says, what makes a person great? Some would answer, power. Others would say, wealth. In the ancient world, the most highly honoured person was usually the king. And the king had the strongest army, controlled vast riches, and presided over a splendid court. People often saw the king as a god, or at least as God's representative on earth. Representative on earth, And God was also a king, a king of kings, surrounded by even greater glory and mighty above all. It's not so long ago that people claimed the right to rule over others because of their wealth and their status, but something has changed. Today we respect and honour people not because of their birth or wealth or even their power, but because they are decent, caring human beings. We look for politicians who will put the good of the community first, ahead of their own ambitions or grandeur. We look for them anyway. In our personal lives, the respect we want from those around us is not fear and subservience, but love and acceptance. We want to be valued for who we are. We want our children eventually to become our companions and peers. Our way of honouring people has also changed. It will often have nothing to do with kneeling or prostrating ourselves before others, but it will have a sense of awe and respect nevertheless. Currently, we're playing catch-up with our ways of talking about God. Traditionally, we've been accustomed to speak of God as the king with all the trappings, power, might, glory, throne and the rest. And it served people well who saw greatness in those terms. 
As we speak of God in this way, we keep such values alive. After all, people want to be like God and use God as their model. Is God really like that? Is greatness really about power and wealth and glory? And these aren't really only modern questions. They've been around for a long time. Jesus once called his disciples' attention to the way kings held power and were considered great. It wasn't how he saw greatness. Instead, he claimed that the person who cared for others is the great person. Lowliness, love is greatness. This is also something which Jesus applied to himself. He explained, he himself came not to be served, but to serve. That should have been obvious by looking at his life. So Paul in Philippians talks about Jesus being God and there's God in Jesus making himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. And does God stop being great when he becomes a servant in his son Jesus? Or actually does God give us a defining model of what true greatness looks like in his son Jesus? Peter, James and John caught a glimpse on the mountain of Jesus in his divine glory and clearly this was no ordinary man. This was the Son of God. So is Jesus great simply because he's God's Son and the things he can do as God's Son? As God's Son, presumably, if he chose, he could beat Mo Farah in the 10,000 metres. Would we think of him being, as being great if he did that? Well, no, we wouldn't. We'd think he was cheating a little bit because he was kind of using his divine power to enable him to do something fantastic. And that's, that's not how we want to see greatness. It would give him an unfair advantage. So what about all the miracles he performed? Was he able to do these because he was God's son? Or did he do whatever he did as a normal human being whose life was completely governed by the Spirit of God? And there's a debate about that. But even if he achieved great things because he was empowered by God's Spirit, does that make him great or not? The problem is that Jesus really is is in a league of his own. As the Son of God, he is in a completely different category to us, even though he was a normal human being, just like one of us. But unlike him, none of us is born... Great. We can be born into situations of privilege, with the potential to achieve greatness with the resources that come to our disposal, and we honour those as great who do something to deserve it. But Jesus starts out as God's son. He doesn't need to achieve greatness. In fact, in the very act of coming down from heaven to be born, that is an act of self-abasement for him. He is already great. Not because of what he achieves, but because of who he is in his divine majesty. So his greatness in human terms can't be measured by how many miracles he performs, how many followers he has, how many copies of the Bible get sold because they speak about him, or how many followers he has on YouTube. It's meaningless to try and use these criteria to assess whether Jesus was great or not, because quite simply being God's son meant he was great already. Didn't need to prove anything. When the disciples saw his glory on the mountain, they realised how great 
he was. As the Son of God, Jesus doesn't cling to or rely on the trappings of greatness, the symbols of success, power, authority, fame. He sets all that aside. Instead, in Jesus, we see the bearer of divine glory washing his disciples' feet. Living out in practice everything he said about those who wanted to be great, needing to become the servant of everybody else. And Jesus defines greatness not in terms of how much we achieve, but how much we use the status and power and authority we have to serve other people. That's true greatness. Greatness expressed in servanthood. We need to be careful here to avoid twisting his words to keep people in a position of subservience. Jesus doesn't mean it's okay to force the lowliest slave to live a life of drudgery because that will make them great in the sight of God. What he is saying is that where we have power and we use that power to serve others, that's what makes us great. Not because the status or position that we occupy, but how we use what we have to serve other people. Leadership isn't about what we achieve, but about what we can inspire and enable others to achieve as we serve them. William Loder again. Jesus taught a new way of assessing greatness, and we are slowly learning what he meant. The kind of greatness which God values in human beings is not having power and wealth, but having compassion. This is also the kind of greatness Jesus wanted people to recognise in himself. This is too often forgotten when our human notions of king, lord, power take over, and we forget that Jesus turned such ideas upside down. The kingdom of God, what matters is not how high you get, how much money you get in your bank balance, how far you progress up the promotion ladder, how much status you achieve. In the kingdom of God, greatness is about how we use the resources we have at our disposal to serve other people. Jesus does turn things upside down. And because he lived that out in practice, 100%, all the way to laying his life down on the cross, That means that Jesus doesn't just redefine greatness. He embodies greatness. So yes, when the disciples saw Jesus on the mountain and caught a glimpse of his divine glory, they saw his greatness. But what makes him worthy of our worship? What makes him the greatest is the way in which that divine glory was expressed in how Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, give his life as a ransom for many. That's what makes him the greatest man the world has ever known. That's what makes him worthy of our worship. And it's personal, because when he gave his life as a ransom for many, he gave his life as a ransom for you. Laying down his life, that you might have life. As he himself said, 
Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends, he said, if you do what I command you.